Let's pray to the Lord as we open His Word. God, we thank You for the blessing of song, and we thank You for the blessing of fellowship. And uh, Lord, we want to give thanks most of all for Christ and what You've done in and through Him for who He is. And now I pray as we look at Your Word that we would consider how we respond to Christ and how we ought to respond to Him. Would You work in our hearts that we may respond to Him rightly. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to talk about how we respond to gifts, specifically the gift of Christ, because next week we have the musical, Three Gifts. And so we are walking through the idea of those three gifts through Advent. Last week we talked about the gift of my life, surrender. This morning we're talking about the gift of our hearts, uh, next week we'll have the, the musical presentation, the drama, and then finally the last Sunday of Advent we'll talk about the gift of our praise, that we, how we respond to the gift of Christ. But, you know, gifts uh, prompt various responses, and let me just give you one example. I was talking to one of my nephews last night, and I asked him, I said, so what would you like for Christmas? And he was pondering in his mind, I guess thinking through his list. And before he could tell me, I said, uh, I'm going to buy you some socks. And he looks at me with this, you know, expression of disbelief that turns into disappointment. That was obvious by his facial expression. And then he told me, uh, if you give me socks, I'm going to sell them. <laughs> and I said, well, actually, I'm going to give you socks with your name on them. And then he thought for a moment and he said, then I will throw them in the trash. <laughs> so, and so, uh, you know, I never found out what he wanted, but I know what he does not want. Do not get them socks, which is kind of the running joke in our family. We just tell everybody we're going to buy you socks uh, for Christmas. So, he's, he, you know, um, for, for most of us, when we receive a gift we don't like, we may be a little more tactful than that. And we can hide our disappointment. Or, you know, most of you, your parents taught you this or you're teaching your children this and that. You know, even if you don't really like the gift, it's the thought that counts, right? I mean, it's the thought that counts. You should be thankful that they even uh, considered buying you a gift. It shows love and, and thoughtfulness. And so even though you may not like the gift very much, you should be thankful that they thought of you and thankful for the giver, at least. And I think that's good advice. So kids, if you, you know, receive, like I received one Christmas, someone bought me towels as a kid. You just kind of smile and thank them for that gift and just thank, be thankful that they thought of you, right? It's the thought that counts. But imagine this, what if you were given the perfect gift? The gift that you most need. And, if you think about it long enough, what you actually most want then how ought you to respond to that gift? Well, I think the, the appropriate response would be that you would love both the gift and the giver, right? That's, that's the appropriate response. But that's not always how we respond to the perfect gift. Listen to these words of Paul in Romans 6, verse 23. And many of you are familiar with this verse, but listen to these words again. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, 
But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So eternal life in Christ Jesus is a gift. It's the perfect gift. It's the best gift. But the question is, how, how do we respond to this gift? That's, that's the question. How do we respond to this gift that God has given mankind? The gift of His Son. And I want to look at three passages this morning in the Gospels. And in these passages, you're going to see three different responses to the gift of Christ. The first passage I want you to turn to is Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And as you turn there, I'll give you a little background. About halfway through chapter 1 of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus begins His public ministry. He calls His first disciples. He heals several people. And then as we move into chapter 3, He begins to challenge the religious leaders' understanding of the Sabbath, and more importantly, their understanding of who He is. So in Mark 6, verse 1, this is what we read. Again He entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether He would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse Him. And He said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And He said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. And so some of the Pharisees we see here, and we see it in other places in the Gospels, some of the, some of the Pharisees and others when they come in contact with the gift of Christ, with the person and work of Christ, their response is a hardness of heart. You see it in verse 5 when it says, Jesus looked at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. So what does that mean to have a hard heart? Well, I think if you have a hard heart, means that you are rejecting something. When your heart is hard towards someone or something, you are rejecting something. You're closing yourself off from the influence of someone or something. You're hardened toward them. Uh, You're refusing to give in to the claims of another person or some type of truth. You're rejecting it. You're closing yourself off from it. And when you harden your heart against the gift of Christ, you're not only rejecting the gift, but you're also rejecting the giver. And so when we reject Jesus, we not only are rejecting eternal life in Christ, but we're rejecting God Himself. It's like I mentioned earlier, when, you know, when, if I were to give my nephew those socks, he would not be very happy with the gift. And he would reject the gift, and in, it, by extension, he would in some ways be rejecting me. Right? And that's the truth here, is when we reject Jesus, we not only reject the gift, but we reject the giver. We reject God Himself. And, those, and there are those today that are much like the Pharisees in that when they come in contact with Christ and who He is, they reject Him. They harden their hearts towards Him. Uh, and you may say, well, who, what group hardens their heart towards Christ the most? Well, I don't know if you could pick a specific group, but one group that certainly hardens their heart towards Christ would be a group that just does not believe in God at all. 
And so there's a, there's a billboard that is actually has been put up in some cities in, around the country. And I would say it's, it's being put up by people whose hearts are hard. And they're not the only people who have, who have hardened hearts, but this is one example of this. Uh, this is what the billboard reads. And just kind of picture it. It's a little girl. She's at a table with a Santa Claus hat on. And she's writing a letter to Santa. And this is what the letter says. Dear Santa, all I want for Christmas is to skip church. I'm too old for fairy tales. And so this is just kind of a blatant advertisement of a hardness of heart or a rejection of who Jesus is, right? And although we may not put up billboards like that, the question for us is, what does the billboard of your heart say about Christ? Is your heart hardened with unbelief? And if so, uh, the writer of Hebrews actually uh, gives us some timely words here in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. Listen to what he says. Hebrews 3, 12 through 15. He says, Take care, brothers, lest there be any, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So if this morning, if you find yourself in a place where your heart is hardened toward Christ and the the truth of Christ, the, the idea of who Jesus is, if your heart is hardened toward Him this morning, then what you need to do, if you want to move toward Christ, toward God, is to ask God to give you a new heart. You're in need of uh, a heart transplant, so to, in so, so many words. Uh, listen to the words of Ezekiel the prophet in the Old Testament, chapter 36, verse 26. Because this is exactly what God promises to do through the Messiah, is to bring about a new heart, this, this heart transplant. Ezekiel 36, 26 says this. God says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I mean, there is a transplantation that's going on. There's a shifting of the heart of that part of us within that either rejects or chooses to follow God. But in order to receive this new heart, this softening of the heart, we must turn to Christ. Because this is how God is bringing about this new heart. You know, we must be open to who He is. We must be open to following Him. And if our hearts are hard, if your heart is hard toward Christ this morning even, then I would encourage you to pray like that uh, father of the demon-possessed boy prayed to, to Christ or said to Christ, I believe, help my unbelief. I may acknowledge it, bring it before the Lord, And allow the Lord to bring about change in your heart. Because that's one way that we respond to the gift of Christ. We can harden our hearts. We can pull away. We can reject Him. We can reject His influence. We can reject following Him. And that can create this hardness of our hearts. 
Another response that we can have to the gift of Christ is doubt. Look with me at Luke 24, verses 36 through 49. And as you turn to Luke 24, I'll give you a little, little backstory here. To the, up to this point, Jesus has been uh, crucified, buried, resurrected. And in this passage, Jesus reveals himself to a few men who are walking along the road on their way to Emmaus. And let's pick it up in verse 36. It says, as they, were, as they were talking about these things, talking about Jesus and the crucifixion of Jesus, Jesus Himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And He said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when, he, and when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling. And it goes on. We're going to talk about the rest of the verses in a moment. But let me stop right there. So as these men were walking along the road, Jesus appears to them in his resurrected body. And so they're confronted with this reality that is... Uh, Marvelous, miraculous, very weighty. And I love the way the writer puts it. It says they, they, or they had doubts, they were questioning in their hearts. But then he says, they disbelieved for joy. Which I think is an interesting phrase. They disbelieved for joy. It, it's, it's like they were having this mixed experience of both wanting to embrace the truth of what this could mean and yet hesitant at the same time. And therefore you had the doubts and you had the questions. And that's why Jesus said, uh, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? And because they were at this intersection of, they weren't rejecting Christ. They were not hardening their hearts. But they were at this intersection of, you know, we want to embrace the truth, but I'm hesitant. I'm hesitant. I have questions here. I'm not sure about embracing this reality of the resurrected Christ. And at this intersection, they, they face really two uh, destinations, depending on what they do with the questions and their doubts here. They either can go down the road to a hardness of heart, or they can go down the road to love. They can go down the road to unbelief, or they can go down the road to belief. And, you know, we've all been at that intersection where we've been confronted by the truths of God, and we come to that point, okay, will I harden myself to that truth? Or will I embrace it and follow God in love? And that's where they were uh, at this moment in Luke 24. And so the question is for them, which way will they go? Will they embrace Christ as Savior and follow Him, or will they harden their hearts And one thing to recognize here is that when you harden your heart, you reject it. It's a rejection, an outright rejection of Christ, okay? But doubting is not necessarily a rejection. It's just a hesitation to accept. And so, you you know, you're kind of in limbo, which is still keeping you from following, but it's not an outright rejection, And so if we're going to love God, 
if we're going to love God and love the gift of God in Christ, then we must travel through doubt and see Christ for who He is. But how do you make that trip? That's the question. How do you make that trip from that intersection to a place where you're loving God and loving His gift? How do we move from doubt to belief? Well, let's pick the passage back up in verse 41. And Jesus responds to them, and and this is what He says. He says, Have you anything here to eat? They gave Him a piece of broiled fish, and He took it and ate before them. Then He said to them, These are My words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about Me in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And listen to verse 45. Then He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. These men, they made the move from doubt to belief by being exposed to and taught rightly the Word of God. That's what Jesus does with them here. He takes them to the Word of God. In verse 45 it says that He opened their minds to understand the Scripture. Now, surely their experience plays a role in this, right? I mean, experience plays a role in this. They see the risen Christ. They touch the risen Christ. They see His scars. They see Him eat. But even that was not enough. And that's why Jesus took them back to the Scripture and gave them understanding in the Scripture because they need to understand the plan of God. And once they understood that, they were able to then embrace Christ uh, for the gift that He is. And this is what you and I need as well. This is what we need. We need to be uh, drawn back into the Scripture. We need to look to the Scripture. We need to take our questions, take our doubts, bathe them in the Scripture if we're going to move to that place of loving God, following God, and appreciating that gift that He's given us in Christ. And so, if we're going to move from doubt to belief, then we must go to the buffet of God's Word. And as we feast on that, we will walk away full of love and life. Because the Word of God is the foundation of love and and life and faith. And so, one response to Christ is a hardening, the other one is a doubting. The third response and the appropriate response to the gift of Jesus is love. That's, that's what we ought to do. That's how we ought to respond is love. That's the most appropriate response. And the last passage I want to look at this morning is in Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. And we're going to see here how we ought to respond to Christ, to the gift of Christ. So beginning in verse 34, Matthew 22, this is what we read. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, Or said to him, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And so Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love God with all that you are. Your heart, your soul, your mind. That's the greatest commandment. But this is not a new commandment. I mean, this is something that was uh, an appropriate response from the beginning. And we see this commandment even back in the Old Testament. So the proper response to God is love. That's the most appropriate response to God, is to love Him. Now, what does that mean? Or what does that look like? Because we throw that around a lot, right? That word love. Love this, love that, love her, love him. We just throw it around. But what does that mean to love God? And I think there's a lot that can be said about this. But I want to focus on three aspects that I think will help us kind of just practically look at what it means to love God and respond to the gift of Christ in love. And I think to best maybe illustrate this, at least this helps me to think about it, is to imagine uh, the relationship between a father and a son, or you could say father and a daughter, but a parent-child relationship. And just imagine in this illustration that uh, this child, this son, has been given the greatest father on the planet. Okay, so the father is the greatest father on the planet. Wonderful father, best father you could possibly have, okay? And so, here's how I think we could uh, maybe get an idea of what it means to love God. Think about if this, if this child has the greatest father on the planet, how would you know if that child loves the father? What would that look like? I think you, you'll see at least three things in that relationship that will tell us whether or not this child loves the father. First thing you will see is that the son will admire the father. This is the phrase we use. He looks up to him. That's the phrase we usually use to capture the idea of admiration. He looks up to his father. In other words, there's a there's an appreciation, admiration for who he is. And there's a, I want to be like that. So there's this admiration for the father that you just, there's a, there's an appreciation for just who he is. And so to love God means, I think, that we have this admiration for who he is. Okay. Secondly, you see that this son has a desire to be with his father. In other words, he's not just standing back admiring his dad, but he wants to be close to him. He wants to be embraced by him. He wants to be side by side with him. He wants to be in a relationship right with him. That's what he wants. He wants to draw near to him. So there's that affection there. There's that desire, I want to be close to Him. And so if we love God, there should be this desire to want to be close to We want to be close to Him. We want to be in His family. We want to be right with Him, reconciled to Him. And the third thing that we see, I think we would see in this relationship, is that 
the son not only admires his father or wants to draw near and be close to him, but he wants to follow him. He wants to go where he goes. He wants to do what he does. And this is why Jesus said, you know, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Because love finds its expression in obedience, in following. You know, I want to follow my father because I love him. I admire him. I desire to be close to him. I want to go where he goes. I want to do what he does because I love him. I think love finds its expression in at least those three ways. And so when you think about the gift, of, the, the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus that God has given us. How ought we to respond to that? Well, our appropriate response is love. And the way that practically works out is that we admire God for who He is and what He's done. We, we desire to want to be close to Him and we want to follow Him. That's how that works its way out in our lives And so we ought to admire and desire and follow God because of who He is and what He's done. And the question that we need to wrestle with is, as I've unwrapped this gift, this gift of God in Christ Jesus, this gift of eternal life, as I've unwrapped that this morning, how will you respond to that? Will you respond to the gift by rejecting it? Or by questioning it, you know, questioning the gift. Or will you respond out of love, loving Him, following Him, wanting to be with Him? And as we uh, prepare to uh, close our service, we're going to sing this hymn. It's a hymn that many of you are familiar with. The title of the hymn is Just As I Am. But this hymn is a hymn of movement. It's a hymn of response. We sing out... Uh, you know, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. You know, I'm, I'm, I want to draw near to you, God. Why, though? This is sung out in a response, realizing that God has already drawn near to us in Christ. As you read the hymn, and as we sing it in just a moment, you'll see, I'm, I'm coming to God, but I'm coming to you in response to the way you have come to me in Christ. And so we'll sing this out to the Lord in response to the gift of Christ. But as we sing, I want to encourage you not to harden your hearts to Christ, but submit your hearts to Him. As we sing it out, bring your questions, bring your doubts to Him, and ask Him to give you understanding in the Scripture, to see Him for who He is and what He's doing. And as we sing this song out to the Lord, let us respond in love, both because of the gift of Christ, but also because of the giver. So now let us stand together and respond to God by singing this praise and prayer to the Lord.